Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And uh, Chops, what do you think of when I say no super serum, no blonde hair or blue eyes? Well, it sounds like something a it's (laughs) I don't know how to feel about John Walker in I mean, they, they clearly like, I feel like they mixed up his messaging a little bit at first, you know, it's like, Oh, he's got the medal of honors and all that stuff. And then, and then he, he goes a little bit crazy with it, but then they're like teamed up with him at the end. Of course, we're talking about Falcon well, and winter soldier. Well, and that's a quote. Point. That's a quote from Sam Wilson. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's, let's roll it back. Let's roll it back a second. We are talking about Falcon and winter soldier. Uh, today the disney plus series that just wrapped up on friday and uh okay spoiler alert if you're here you should know that by now but spoiler alert we're going to talk about things in great detail about the series and what we thought about it including the fact that by the end credits of the last episode the show had been renamed did you notice that yes they uh changed it over to captain america and winter soldier yeah exactly but then the question is Captain Falcon, Captain America. Captain Falcon Which was so funny to me. I heard <laughs> I heard that that little Easter egg was maybe one of the hardest, uh, you know, that I laughed during the whole the whole show. Was that yeah, was it just like a little 80 yard line like from the crowd? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was, it was somebody's like, it's Captain America. It was like Captain Falcon. What what do we call you? <laughs> yeah. Captain Falcon and uh it does make you think that, in fact, that Sam Wilson should have a move called Falcon Punch. Like, <laughs> uh, that would be pretty good. Anyway, I've seen I've seen some mixed reviews about this show. I, kind of like WandaVision, I felt wholly positive about it, or for the most part positive about it. And, and then I started reading the reviews and being like, oh, you know what? Well, I, I guess some of this, some of it has a point. Some of it, I think, is overly critical. But I don't know. This one felt more like a long movie. Yeah. To me than than individual episodes. Although that's kind of what WandaVision was, but there's like with the themes of the episodes being different decades of TV, that was like really easy to differentiate sure. the uh the episodes. I don't know the difference between any episode from Falcon and Winter Soldier, except I mean, I guess the end. Like that makes sense to me. I know which one, like what happens in the last episode, but as far as that, like I could not pick out if you give me an event which like episode it was in, unless I really start to sit there and like do a timeline and figure it out that way. So I want to start off with saying that like, I'm not a huge fan of like the winter soldier civil war type plot lines for Marvel movies. It, I don't get into it as much when like the superhero movies have like mostly realistic political drama mixed in. That's not to say it's bad. And it's not bad if you, if that's something you like, it's just not for me with the Marvel stuff. I like the big purple, a, you know, evil Thanos guy from space, that kind of stuff, or yeah. the, the WandaVision where it leaned into like the magic and, and everything like that. So it just doesn't do it for me. So I knew going in that this wasn't going to be my, my cup of tea as far as Marvel content goes, but there, there were still good things about it. And we'll, we'll get into that. Some things I did like, and I'm not going to be, the, I'm not the person who just like angrily on Twitter is mad because they tried to put like some, 
some like social context into it and, you know, relate it back. That's fine. That's, I, I don't have a problem with any of that. It's just, I just knew going in, this isn't my favorite stuff. And then on top of that, I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but this is B list Marvel characters, right? I mean, I don't think Captain America is B list. And I think Falcon has always been one of the Avengers. I think it's hard to make that argument uh, that it's B list. I mean, I mean, not everyone in the show is the Avengers, but it, it's not about that. Like, I, I'll, yeah. let me let me take the flip side of your coin. I I really love superhero movies that do the fantastic, but I also appreciate a superhero movie where you can relate more to the characters because it's more down to earth. And I like the examination of how having superheroes in a world changes the nature of that world, and it's mm-hmm. and it's our world. I mean, talking about things like you know refugees and and uh overpopulation and overcrowding and these like you know unilateral political commissions and having their own sets of soldiers and i mean even things like this this series originally had a virus storyline that of course they had to get rid of because it was just a little too real but there was a bioterror there was a bioterror aspect of it I think those things are, are are interesting to examine when you look at like that makes for a to me a better super super villain engaging in the wor- real world in a real way that can actually you know change things than just somebody who flies in you know with a cape and throws bombs and and cackles maniacally. And I mean, I hear you. It's just I don't know. Yeah, I it's can't not for everyone. It just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't grab me the same way. I, I also thought that there was no way they could make this show at this time in history without talking about questions of race and what it means to be black in America when you're being asked to hold the mantle of America's hero on your shoulders. Yeah, and then with that, I think that throughout this show, varying levels of success at how good they were at at hitting that the right way. Sure. Um, I think the beginning, the bank scene, I think was probably their best indication of it. And it also brought up the the point of like, huh, the Avengers don't get paid, which is ridiculous. Tony, why well, don't you pay the Avengers? Give them something. It doesn't have to be a salary, but call it a stipend or a per diem or something. They should make something. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. Well, and you get the impression that he, there is that line about like, where you know people are generous and i think probably tony stark did take care of them tony's dead there's probably some some come you know confusion or complication in the wake of that and how you know i i don't disagree with that i think it's an interesting thing that the movies never yeah. talk about and then now who's in charge of stark industries i don't even know uh, john favreau's character i forget what his character's name is but that would be the guy who's in charge of stark industries right don't they call him happy yeah i think i think it is happy um now that you say that but yes <laughs> i believe tony stark's most important people in his life are happy and pepper well let's be i guess let's be honest pepper potts was the ceo of stark industries that's true so yeah. she's in charge now I'm not and I don't we don't have to figure out that question, but it is interesting to think about like these people that give up this huge portion of their lives. And, you know, one of the one of the themes of the series was sacrifice and sometimes misusing the concept of sacrifice or miss, Mm -hmm. you know, mislabeling what is sacrifice and what is something that's imposed upon you, because if it's forced on you, it's not a sacrifice. But also uh, uh, I, I guess about sort of like you know guilt and forgiveness and and you know it, with Bucky's storyline in particular, 
I, I, I guess while I won't say that I think series nailed every theme it was trying to get to, and I think there were mm. some, there were certainly some characters who were more confusing. John Walker to me was a was a great character up until episode six where he had his redemption moment. I hated that. It to me that yeah, ruined okay, that's everything. what I was kind of yeah. referring to as like okay, so like I got it. You know, you had him at the top, and you're you might be questioning him, but I mean, he's just a soldier who accepted to be Captain America, and then he kind of slowly chips away at that, and then he has his his huge in, inflection moment of doing something wrong in broad daylight with the Captain America shield, which I totally understand why that would be an issue right. for the U.S. government and everything. But then yeah, yeah, and then they come back and they're like they're like working with them. In the last one, in the like, they team up. Yeah, had he even had a brief moment where he like did the right thing and then ran away, I would have been like, "All right, I can," because they're gonna use him in future stuff, and we're gonna talk about what future stuff they're gonna use him in. Everyone Maybe. knew. Well, it might not be Wyatt Russell. It's gonna be Wyatt Russell. Trust me. We, I, we, there's already, there's already a lot of setup happening for future properties, and and you and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But there was there was certainly stuff that was clumsy or mishandled. I think the Isaiah Bradley contribution was valuable, but but I, I it's hard for me to tell if it was if it hit the nail on the head or not. I mean, I can't say that I've that I've been in. I, I certainly haven't been in the position of a super soldier who was mm. put in prison because he was black. I, because I'm not any of those things, but yeah. I, I do think that some of those moments were more ham fisted and I don't know if they felt they needed to sort of make that story a little more generic so that more people could get, could like find themselves in it. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. And then that kind of goes back to our discussion on like embracing the streaming and stuff. Is that storyline even like really a part of it? If this is a movie, if they have to get this down to two and a half hours long, is that something or how do they even approach that? Because that was a, a pretty time consuming aside for the show. And yeah, I don't know if it's going to be something they need to tell this story. I think it's an, I think it's a, it's a valuable aside, but there's the moment I want to say it's an episode four where Sam goes to visit him and they kind of have the one-on-one and he's watering the plants in the garden and they have that conversation. And that's also Mm. when he takes him inside and takes out his box with pictures and things in it. That to me could have been the first time he met Isaiah Bradley. That name could have been dropped before, or he could have had, there could have, they could be, he just went, they went to the well too many times. And I think it diluted not to, mix my metaphors diluted the message just a little bit but i think it's a necessary storyline i think it's it's important that by the end we get to see that he has his own museum exhibit i thought that was cool and a nice way to wrap up that story so i think it's valuable and i think it needs to be there but i think it needs to not be they they you know instead of having four meetings with him which i think is how it worked out that he met with him four times i think he could have met with him two times or even three times and it would have hit a little differently yeah, probably just that that conversation in the garden whatever that scene needs to be and then the museum at the end yeah that could probably be a better and again if you're making a movie you're gonna have to make those kind of decisions and do it but they i mean they had the time it's only a six episode run so it's yeah. not like it's not like it felt like super bloated or anything like that it just that stuff that yeah i don't know how much you included in a movie i think overall it did feel bloated and here here's yeah. why i think they're trying to set up a lot of future projects with this one six episode series like 
WandaVision was basically there to set up the multiverse of madness and that sort of string of of Marvel going forward. It was eight episodes and it was essentially setting up a movie or maybe two movies, right? And outside of the setup, like the direct, like WandaVision ends, here's what will happen after it. Most of the stuff in WandaVision, besides some of the magic being introduced and things like that, is like a one-off. Like you're not going to have to go back to any of the events of WandaVision in any future installments. So, but, but then when you look at Falcon and Winter Soldier, there is the captain america and race issue and like setting up sam to become the new captain america there is the whole zemo super soldier angle which he's kind of his own thing and he stole every scene he was in by the way right there's the john walker u.s agent arc there is sharon carter as the power broker and that's going to come into other things um you have val uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus's character, who's probably going to be part of Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Very good. Uh, yeah, don't call her Val. That's right. You just think it. Um, <laughs> her story is probably tying in with Zemo and and John Walker's U.S. agent story in the future. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot that then there's this sort of separate like the super serum super soldier thing is also probably another direction at the X-Men coming. I think WandaVision had some of that, like X-Men uh, tie-ins. Yeah. And I think this with the super soldier and like the way pe- the super serum and the way people feel about it and like having supers around is going to become an X-Men thing. I think it reinforces this, this thing that's coming. Yeah, that the idea of superheroes aren't going to be on some sort of elite government connected team that goes into space and does all this extra stuff that helps protect the world that like there's just going to be some people who have these abilities around in everyday life doing more you know things on the ground so to speak and there's going to be groups of people who think they're dangerous and need to be contained and and quite frankly you know the flag smashers which still by the way worst one of the worst names in ever even for comic book even for comic books i think it's just they could have done better they could have done the red hand you know villains without borders would have been fine that to me but no group's gonna call them themselves villains i was a joke about doctors without borders yeah, I know, but I just when I thought about it, oh, more, fine liberators, to... liberators without borders, whatever. Any case, there you go. Um, <laughs> this sets up the general populace to see super, like non quote unquote non regulated super soldiers as being bad guys, and in fact, I think that's one of the reasons that it's important that Sam Wilson, Captain America doesn't become a super soldier by the end. I think that's important that he's still just a guy. Because I think in the future, this whole idea of the the super person, the super serum type person, is going to be viewed as dangerous. Um, and people like Wanda Maximoff are are already yeah, considered dangerous. Say, they've already, and, they've already yeah, gone to that a little bit with uh, her and her brother yeah. earlier in the series. Well, so, and, and, yeah, and, and the name of S.W.O.R.D. for this, for this uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as opposed to the comic universe has been changed to essentially be... A, a unit that observes super beings, right? Mm-hmm. They're the, uh, oh shoot, special weapon ob- observation research, blah, blah, blah. Point being is they're keeping yeah. an eye on the supers and that's different, a little bit different than the comics and I think it's how they're going to tie in the sort of X-Men angle and there was there were always politicians in the X-Men that were like, these people need to be regulated and they, you know, yep. they're not safe. 
So that again, that's just one offshoot of this six episode series. You're right. There is it really, especially like at the, I really feel like they rushed the final episode. Yeah. I think it they could have used like one or two more right episodes. In and that was, that was like the third act climax of a movie was just that episode. And yeah. it just, boom, it just started yeah. when you, when you watch that one. And then it, when it was over in 10 minutes, it was all wrapped up. I think so they could have used a couple more episodes to unpack some of that stuff. And I think the, the John Walker turn, if they needed that, if they needed him to become more super heroic, they could have set that up a little bit better if they need, you know, the whole, um, the idea of Carly Morgenthau just instantly going bad and cold, which I get like they set it up, but I just felt like it was so sudden and it was so different than we've seen her progressively getting more and more cold about the idea of taking life and like any, you know, accomplishing your goal at any cost. But I, I don't know. I still felt like the turn was too hard and they wasted yeah. and they wasted. Disney has this thing with Aaron <laughs> Kellerman. They did it in Solo, a Star Wars story, right? Where they set her up as this like young teenage revolutionary and then completely waste, <laughs> completely waste it. Now, the, some of the same people that I saw saying that online, like reviewers and critics and things, I did. I checked on this because they're like, boy, Disney likes to waste Aaron Kellerman, huh? They like to waste this concept, huh? They were some of the same people that like shit on Solo and made it so that Disney never made any more of those movies so they can go screw. Um, I think we probably would have seen Aaron Kellerman's Enfys Nest in more movies if people hadn't been such jerks. In any case, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all of that said. I still thought it was it was a good buddy sort of buddy superhero movie. I liked that aspect yeah. of it a lot. I liked that they ta you might not have loved it so much, but I, I thought it was good that they tackled the real world implications, not, uh, you know, of a black man being Captain America, but also just like, this is what the world would be like post snap or post blip, as they put it. I, I do like the blip stuff that uh, I, and I mean, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I mean, it's just me being honest about what happens in you know when i'm watching something and sure. what like intrigues me and makes me and it's thought provoking to me i do like all the stuff that, and they've been covering it now for oh, i don't know there, there was in the spider-man one a ton it yeah. was it, endgame is all about the blip basically too it's during it's still during the blip but, but yeah but they don't spend any time talk or almost no time there's the support group scene which kind of gives you a lot of the, the where we are in the and world. the most unbelievable thing that nobody would get together and make sure that baseball was still organized in five years they like show <laughs> city field and like the mets aren't playing yeah no somebody would find a way to still make money off the new york mets there would still be baseball i would think i think that's one thing they get wrong my Maybe, two cents. although the the world might have decided that they needed that, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I I always thought about that too. Like it is, it does make you think. Like five years later, they haven't done anything to like for professional sports, but maybe people decided, <laughs> hey, you know what, chops? Maybe people decided that wasn't important. Hmm? Well, how about that? I mean. <laughs> Yeah, they're not important, but like, then where do we draw the line? What is important? Sure. Do they stop making movies? Yeah. Do they stop having any entertainment? Yeah. It's just like everything sucks. Half the world's gone. Yeah. And that's that's what we do yep. now for five years. Yeah. You got to allocate your resources differently, man. I guess. I mean, the guy's still going on dates. There's dates, but there's no uh, well, baseball. Well, yeah, but you what don't do you need take your, you don't need. But he highly... takes you to a restaurant. There's still restaurants. What's the difference between a restaurant and a baseball field? billions of dollars of of work and like 
and organizing and talent and <laughs> money and yeah, shut up. Don't be stupid. <laughs> you know the difference between baseball and restaurants. I'm just saying if there's <laughs> if there's businesses that are already for your supplemental income for just things that you don't need but enjoy, then why would sports be cut off five it's years? An econo- it's an economy of scale. That's why. I okay. So we thought we liked this. Thanos didn't get rid of half the money. But money isn't real. Money's just numbers in, in computers. So if there's no one there to go and claim it, then it then he did get rid of half the money. <laughs> yeah, money's money's true. only good if it's spent. You know what I mean? In that in that sort well, of scenario. Well, because actually, and they that was really that was one of the more interesting things they hit here was uh, it was right at the end. You know, like in the, you know the senators or or whoever those people voting were made out to be the bad guys, but. At the same time, like, that is a good point. It's like, well, who is correct when somebody shows up after being disappeared for five years? Who owns that house now if somebody else had bought it? And I thought that was an interesting – you'd have to discuss that. Yes. Well, and I I don't think the argument was that it shouldn't be discussed. I think the argument was that – that it has to be done with compassion instead of as many, you know, it's not just logical choices. It's not, yeah. things are different. Things are, were different during the blip and they're different now post blip. They can't just go back to this like eminent domain mindset because it's not, that's not the way the world is anymore. Well, or that's not the way the world needs to be. It could be better. And that's Sam's point. It can be better, do better. But is it also a strength for people who are team Thanos? Maybe Thanos was right. Things were easier when half the people were gone. I'm joking, by the way. Well, I, <laughs> the thing that made, I mean, not to backtrack us too much, but the thing that made Thanos a compelling villain is you could kind of get his point. Thanos was good at identifying a problem. Yes. It was his solutions to the problems that were very wrong. Well, and the fact that he went from saying it's nothing personal, it's only a logical decision, to him making it very personal. I'll do it myself. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, he literally says he'll do it himself. Yeah, very personal. And that's you want. Anyway, we're backtracking ourselves. I, yes, I think it's it was valuable to have a series that allow, allowed us to look like Wandavision did from a one angle to look at the real world implications, the world that the future of the MCU is going to be set in. Because so far we've been able to imagine an earth that's almost identical to our earth, right? We've been able to imagine that in the movies, all the movies leading up to infinity war. Yeah. Yeah. You had to stretch your imagination a little bit for, okay. Yeah. Wakanda does exist somewhere. And you had to sort of stretch your, when like guardians of the galaxy were way off in space, you could kind of get behind that. Uh, Thor is a God. Like, you know, people are religious. Maybe there is a God going around as a superhero. Okay. But now it's hard to conceive of a world like the one that they're in, unless they give us a little bit of time to do that. And I think especially it's five years ahead now, everything they do, it jumped five years. And so between, between WandaVision, between Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I suspect Loki will also deal with some of this stuff because Loki's whole thing is that he's, He's created too many stream multiverse streams and messed up time. So I think we're going to see a little bit of it in that show too. Yeah. Setting the scene for what is to come and what what the world is going to look like going forward in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and for Marvel fans, like what should they expect of this continuity that's being created? I want to circle back to one thing we I I said at the beginning of the show and you you gave reasons why you don't agree. You said, well, I mean, because Falcon is still an Avenger and you're like, not, but I don't know when you make like a, a movie about a team, you know, let's say a football team, 
usually you focus on the quarterback and the linebacker and stuff like that. And Falcon just seems to me like offensive guard. Like, yeah, he's important to the team accomplishing their goal. But as far as like him being a character that you're going to focus on, it's not there for me. And I don't care about Bucky Barnes at all. Not a character I'm interested in. I feel like Will Ferrell in that episode of The Office when Pam and Jim show him a picture of their baby. And, you know, that Bucky could be the star of a TV show called I Don't Care About This Superhero. Well, I want to use your I want to use your football analogy for a second. Um, okay. Let's talk about the last time Ohio State won the national championship. Okay. Uh, you had a star quarterback that went down with an injury. JT Barrett. And when so so, so somebody and Braxton else, Miller at the beginning of the year, and then right. JT Barrett at the end of the year. And somebody had to come in, and uh, somebody from you know maybe somebody who wasn't thought of as a star, your backup, had to come in and suddenly shoulder the team, <laughs> and take them to victory. Right. His name was Cardell Jones. And is that a compelling story, Chops? Yes. Okay, but now wait a minute. Oh, da, 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 da. No, no, no. Hold on. That's a compelling story when your star quarterback goes down, can no longer compete, and your backup guy has to come in and fill the shoes, right? That's a compelling story. I see story. where you're going now. So yeah, so yeah. Falcon isn't and isn't uh you know, third string running back. He's the guy who has been waiting in the wings, pun intended. That's a story about, you know, the guy who maybe didn't realize he was supposed to be picking up the mantle, coming in and shouldering it and then still leading the team to victory. That's what the Falcon Winter Soldier is about for that's I mean, if if I can see the relationship between because obviously we can't go one to one football team to the Avengers. But you're right. Captain America is sort of the quarterback of the team. And now you've got Sam Wilson coming in for Steve Rogers and taking over the, you know, quote unquote, starting quarterback spot. But my argument is that in normal Avengers time, when Steve Rogers was there, Falcon was one of the, you know, tertiary players in the game. And he's not the guy who gets the profile before the game. He's an important player to accomplishing their goal. This to me is the argument that Ringo Starr is the worst Beatle. So what? He was in the Beatles. <laughs> like, uh, okay, Sam Wilson. Yeah, but I don't want to watch a documentary about Ringo Starr. You don't. He's yeah, he's cool. Might, yeah. <laughs> Point true. being is, yeah, okay. Sam Wilson was never one of the like the big. He he wasn't necessarily the toy in the in the Happy Meal. And that's why I said B list and not C list. I thought I was I thought I was extending an olive branch by saying B list for Bucky and Sam Wilson. Now Bucky was never an Avenger. I can get behind that, but I still think Bucky is a compelling character in his own way, and I think that he is so integral to the Captain America story because he was Steve Rogers' best friend. And there's yeah. you, you know. In the comics, at one point or another, both Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson take on the mantle of Captain America. I think this show was kind of wrestling with that, wrestling with that idea that, like, there are two people here who have different claims to the shield, right? And mm-hmm. and I thought it was good that they, first of all, used, uh, you know, Bucky as a way to talk about PTSD, to talk about forgiveness for things you did in the past. I think there's a lot of people who can relate to that. And especially, I mean, soldiers and professional, you know, professional killers who can relate to that. Yeah. But I also think it was important for Marvel, for the MCU and for the fandom, for there to be a point where Bucky says, there's that line where he says, Steve and I talked about it and not, and neither of us knew what it would like, what it would be like to be a black man carrying the shield. 
I think for a lot of people that was it was necessary for Marvel to answer the question why not Bucky and it was important for them to set up not this not as a rivalry by the end but as a, a partnership or a friendship. I will say this you're right watching it through the the narrative of this show it is a lot more gratifying to see it happen after you see these six episodes than if they they both just kind of looked at each other at the end of Endgame and was like here you go Sam. Uh, that is better yeah yes and i think unfortunately there are a lot of people for um ugly reasons (laughs) who would not have accepted that who wouldn't have accepted that oh they would have seen it as some sort of a token move for even Mm. though that's been established in the comics many years ago it's not like this is a new concept it's not some so quote unquote sjw blah 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 those people can go screw too by the way they want to talk about that in some sort of a derogatory way uh, Twitter is a great place, isn't it? Yeah, anyway. Point being is, I think it's hard. If you are still arguing with Sam Wilson as Captain America at this point, you need to maybe look at yourself in the mirror <laughs> for a few minutes and figure out what it is about you that might be ugly. You do also, yeah, always remember to step back and remember that, yeah, they're bringing some some things that are in the real world and there are some political intrigue pieces to it, but it's still comic book movies, man. Right. Like, it's just a character with a shield that a company has used to make money anyways. That's all it's for. And comic books have always been used to talk about social justice issues and political issues. Like, they've always been that. Captain America punched Nazis, my dude. Do you ever hear those those people on Twitter who are like, it was something, I can't remember his name, but the the lead singer from Rage Against the Machine like tweeted something. And somebody was like, I just wish we could go back to a time when musicians were, were just not comment on politics. And it's like, Rage Against the Machine was apolitical for you before this moment? Yeah. You are not listening to the music, my friend. People are dumb. Uh, well, they're willfully ignorant, and that's a different. We gotta, stop yes. it! Stop getting me. <laughs> My blood pressure is going up, and I can't handle it. Point being, I think that this show was necessary for that reason, not just for the the issues that it tackled, but to like put to bed any of the sort of as many uh, you know un, unassurednesses. It's a bad word of possible as possible concerning the mantle being passed, and to set up the future of Captain America, which. By the way, it's been more or less uh, confirmed that Captain America 4 is coming and that Malcolm Spellman, who was the showrunner for this show, is going to be behind that. Um, and uh, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. And I think, yeah, they couldn't have just made Captain America 4 without tackling some of these issues in it. And some people could argue, well, Captain America 4 could have just been about this and you could have cut out some of the other side side stuff and that's probably true i think that would have been a little too much because you would have had to spend half the movie with john walker playing captain america right. which i think well, let's 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 get our piece of about john walker yeah I and mean, we've talked about him a little bit but let's kind of like yeah cover that in detail now and then we can get to to the rest of what the future might hold for me at first uh especially being one of those people who doesn't really know anything about the comics i didn't know for sure what to think of John Walker right away. Cause they do a really good job of playing him up as like Mr. Stars and Stripes. And he's a decorated veteran and he seems like a, a good guy. And 
obviously I had my suspicions about what they're going to do with this story. But at the, at the beginning, the first two times, not that first moment you saw him right at the end of the first episode that I didn't like that. But then the second episode starts, I realize it's Wyatt Russell. I didn't realize that at first. And yeah. I like Wyatt Russell. Mm-hmm. I think he's a, I think he's a good actor. So now both Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell in the MCU. Look at that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then they have that, like he's, you know, saying all the right things at the pep rally at his high school and everything. And I'm like, I don't know. This guy doesn't seem that bad. Uh, apparently, what is the metal that the shield's vi- vi- made of? Vibranium. Yeah, vibranium. I was vibranium and anima- adamantium always <laughs> something that gets mixed. Sure. But that like vibranium, like it's always so hard to tell like what its uh, abilities are because the way he's throwing it, I'm like, I was confused. I'm like, is he already a super soldier or is it just because it's vibranium that you can throw that shield like that and it works? And I guess Sam answers that. Right. later on when he's training with it but still it was something that i was like oh he's not a super soldier you can just throw that shield like that yeah well i think i think they had to set him up in order for him to have an arc a downfall arc they have to at least make him kind of likable i mean i think from the yeah. very beginning people didn't like him because of his relationship to the other people in the story and because he was a little too much like mr perfect you know, yeah. homecoming king kind of vibe. Yeah, I don't have the I don't have the list of his like track record, but I thought they if you had to make like a movie about his military career, people would probably be like, This is way too many things that this one guy did. <laughs> like the when they listed it all out, I'm just like, Really? Is that I that sounds like a lot of things for one man to do, but okay, yeah, fine. I, I mean, I can't, I can't speak to that. I yeah, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I just I can't factually speak to yeah i don't know (laughs) but it was good too how they set you know they set him up um with his number two to kind of be the the foil for for bucky and for sam i thought that was an interesting and good choice and setting up that like if the american government had its way this is the team they'd put together and it's these like two super decorated afghanistan veterans or iraq veterans Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, this and this is the pairing, and we're gonna bo- we're gonna give them both the the fancy outfits, and they're gonna one of them's gonna be Captain America, and the other one's gonna be Battlestar, and they're gonna go in and they're gonna kick ass for America. And they do a good job of uh, helping you build up John Walker a little bit by at a certain point we are thinking of the way Sam and Bucky are approaching those two yeah, and being like, come on guys, you're being a little unreasonable. It's not like these guys are just two soldiers who were asked. They wanted to be captain America and like now they're doing it right. Like they don't know all your personal feelings about it. So like, don't be so standoffish when they're just trying to help. Right. Yeah. It, it definitely does. There's, there are moments where you're kind of like, if you did, if you weren't emotionally invested in Sam and Bucky, you would say like, "Come on, guys, you're kind of being jerks to these other guys." But they also <laughs> right. never give you quite enough leeway to really like John Walker because he comes in and ruins. You know, there's that fight on top of the the semi trucks is the first time they're kind of all together, and yeah. you, he comes in and screws stuff up, and then he's real haughty about it, and they're like, "Whoa, boys, you want to ride to the airport? Like, it's you're gonna be walking a long way with blah blah blah." <laughs> Like you can never quite like him, but you can understand why that he has charisma, even if it's not your brand of charisma. And I thought, but in the heat of the moment, he has some anger issues as they go along with it as well, which 
it obviously hits a boiling boiling point at, at some point. Well, and what's interesting is they almost set him up as more of a foil for Bucky than for Sam, right? It, it, because it's Bucky and John are both soldiers of some variety. They've both been sort of brainwashed. Bucky maybe more literally, but not by much. They both have PTSD. They both eventually end up with the super serum. They're almost better foils for each other than Sam kind of, and I like that. I think Sam kind of gets to blaze his own trail while John and Bucky are the ones that talk about or that deal with guilt and PTSD and these anger issues and feeling. And, and in the case, you know, Bucky and John both feel like they've failed their friend or or lost their best friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. They almost kind of set them up as, as opposing. And I think that's a good choice. I think it's good to show like Bucky even though he was a, a super soldier and a super assassin, like he is doing the right things to deal with it, even if it's begrudging. Uh, and he's moving on with his life. Whereas John Walker is not moving on with his life. He's just, inst- you know, when the war's over, for those guys, it's not. <laughs> the war's still going on. Yeah. And you either you have to find some way to keep the war going in your own life. Or keep it going externally or else it'll go on internally. Right. It feels like. Well, and John and John Walker and, and uh, Lamar Hoskins, they're both like, well, we're going to keep doing the combat. We're going to keep doing the, the fighting. That's another thing. Like if they're not going to be super soldiers, like won't those guys eventually just be a little too old to do this stuff? I'm thinking of like pro athletes yeah. and like mid thirties, man, is like when most of them shut it down because it's just too much. Right. Well, it's, it's certainly different than, than Steve Rogers, right? Who who they yeah, experimented just, on and then ended up being because of his like freezing and because of the super serum, like he and Bucky would have been 108, I think they established. Yeah. But yeah, I can write off the super soldier stuff makes yeah, it makes you you know, you regenerate faster right. and you don't get the cracks in your knee or whatever. So right. but then eventually John Walker does take the super serum and I don't know if he's supposed to be like all hyped up on adrenaline or what, but this is something that Marvel falls into to make mid movie scenes more interesting is like why all of a sudden is john walker so much more powerful than bucky when they're fighting there and maybe it's because maybe it's a little bit john walker isn't afraid to be using you know all of his force and bucky's not yeah bucky's not trying to kill him uh but i don't know that's something that i think marvel falls into sometimes where they have the bad guy be too powerful in certain scenes and then it just completely changes the the power dynamic to to a different scene Right before they are fighting, though, John Walker, um, he chases down the guy who he either did or he thinks killed Lamar, whatever, you know, in that scene. He chases the guy down, and then in front of a group of people, he kills the guy with the shield. Yeah. And I understand why the optics of that is something that would make the U.S. military be like, well, we can't let you carry the shield anymore. We can't let you be Captain America. This isn't what Captain America is supposed to do. What I don't get is why um sam wilson killed a bunch of people at the beginning the first scene of the show and that's deemed so much different and then in the final in the final confrontation they throw in a line at the end they're like oh there's one guy who who is uh yeah, in the river in the he's river. a little shooken up but he, he, and he he's gonna make it him. and it's like that's the guy that he threw the that's the guy he threw the shield out and threw him out of a helicopter. Now it was in order to save the people in the helicopter but how's that very much different than killing a guy with the shield in uh wherever they were you mean a guy who's prone on his back and it has his hands up and doesn't have a weapon didn't that and you're asking why using lethal force against that guy is a bad a bad move 
Yeah, now I'm saying the the thing the wrong thing yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, I'm not saying I trust me. <laughs> I get where you're coming from, but I think when you, I'm just saying maybe like it seems like they don't question any of the other killing. Sure, I don't yeah, disagree yeah. that what John Walker did was bad. I just mean that it's not like you guys haven't been killing people in this series. Yeah, no, no, no. I I get it. Well, and it is partially about the optics of the whole thing that that there are a bunch of people yeah. and I thought that was a smart as soon as that scene got to that sort of pinnacle I looked over at Laura and said everybody in that crowd is going to have a cell phone out and I thought that was a really smart yes. way of of contextualizing the the age of superheroes in the social media age I thought that was a smart thing to do and I and it reflects the real world in a lot of in a lot of scary ways I just mean like I don't know it just it, it just makes me question like sometimes like how, and I guess that's just framing too, the way they frame it. But it just, after that happens, I'm like, I get why what John Walker did was bad. But for me, it just screams like, man, all these other superheroes are always killing people too. And they're deemed the bad guys when they do it. This isn't, this isn't the time or the place for like talking about the ethics of, of killing, but What's the difference in that case between a soldier who is on a mission in another, you know, uh, war-torn country and accidentally shoots a civilian and, you know what I mean? What's the difference? (laughs) And the difference is intent, partially, and the difference is context. But yeah, no, it's it's a complicated issue, and I, I do, I get where you're coming from. I'm not saying, oh, you're a jerk. I'm just saying, yeah, it's it's complex, and I think that was part of you know, part of the context and all, I will say you did a pretty good, you did a pretty good job of helping me question my own thoughts right away. So that changed. I, it, that was a, yeah, that was a much better way to contextualize. We're we're all having a learning moment here. Anyway, um, (laughs) are we, do we feel good about moving on to like what's next for the MCU and what this sets up? Yes. So let's I, let's start with with where we were talking about Walker. So John Walker as U.S. agent and uh, Zemo certainly um, the Daniel Bruhl Zemo are two characters yep. that later appear in a group called the Dark Avengers and or the Thunderbolts, um, which are set up by the uh, Colonel from the Hulk movies, Thunderbolt Ross, I think. And basically, okay. he puts together this team of of superheroes who are willing to like take orders (laughs) questionable morality superheroes and i think and that's where val comes in in the comics she has several different sort of roles but one of them that's most prominent is this involvement in either resuscitating hydra or infiltrating hydra or infiltrating the u.s government and so the suggestion is that this sort of team of of guns for hire almost are going to be put together and that u.s agents going to be one of them that zemo is going to be one of them there is the likelihood that um thunderbolt ross himself will become red hulk which is the sort of antithesis of the green hulk right uses the mm-hmm. same technology that made hulk but becomes a government-sponsored hulk so to speak um and be part of the uh, the dark avengers so that's something that's likely, I mean, you can almost say certainly is set up, and especially with Val saying there's some weird stuff coming, um, and I'll call you, keep your phone on. Uh, another thing that's being set up that we already know is confirmed is Secret Invasion, which is 
a show about the Skrull uh, who come in and infiltrate. So Captain Marvel has the scenes with the Skrull. They're kind of at the heart of that show, that show or that movie rather. Um, yeah. They're basically body snatchers. And they were right there at the end of WandaVision as well. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And so there's this uh, this arc in Marvel comics where the scroll come in and they replace key figures. And and suddenly you don't know who you can trust, even within the Avengers. They replace some of the Avengers. And there is this implication that uh, Secret Invasion is going to be similar to that arc. And that the scroll come in and that they're going to, you know, body snatch people, superheroes, and start making them do weird stuff. Rooting them out is going to be the probably the the focus of that series. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in for that. If, if I'm being honest with you, I don't know as much about the Secret Invasion arc, except that it exists. But they're certainly setting it up with, I think, Sharon with her role in S.H.I.E.L.D. It's probable that she's going to be a part of that Secret Invasion arc. I also think that with the setup that she's either the power broker or working very closely with the power broker they're setting that up for uh, armor wars which we know is coming which is a storyline about uh, stark corpse technology falling into the wrong hands something that tony stark always was afraid of and and speaking of which can we talk a little bit about a moment that i thought was odd in the final episode, which was those claw things they used to seal the doors on the the prison or the police vans. Yeah. How much time? Had like, it, had, it was like multi-pronged. Yeah. And how much time they spent having you focus on those things? Yeah, you're right. Because they showed them putting them on and going. Ching, 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 and then they made it like really hard to be opened. And you're. They put a lot of focus on. I, I don't on, know, but it's. Well, can I tell you my theory that I was thought was was odd, but like seems to be as reasonable as anything else those looked a lot to me like doc ock technology and the green grenades that that she used later on looked a lot like the green goblins grenades and it makes me wonder if she's on the phone at the end of the episode saying you know we're gonna have all this intel into secret government technology it almost makes me wonder if she's on the phone to oscorp the green goblins corporation which have they made any real mcu footprint yet with oscorp or anything well no they haven't because so so here's an interesting development that happened in the last week which is that um that disney struck a deal with sony to use green goblin use doc ock of course there's all this speculation that spider-man far from home that um that andrew garfield and that toby Maguire are going to be in it and if they're in it there's no reason that we couldn't see willem dafoe's green goblin from an alternate dimension or alfred molina's doc ock yeah we hadn't seen a lot of those spider-man characters just because of the the rights issue right but i do think to me it seems like they're setting up that they that the sinister six of whom mysterio and green goblin and doc ock and some of the others are a part in the spider-man comics well, and as I was reading too about like Dark Avengers, it uh, it appears that Norman Osborn has precedent to be working with them as well. Correct. This is just from little bit of research I did today. It's not something I knew before this morning, but he's definitely a character that is involved with those Dark Avengers. Right. So I think they are setting up some of those Spider-Man characters to come into the fold with the MCU and little little hints little nudges for the next spider-man movie where i think it's pretty likely you're going to see what i i, I almost used the term classic spider-man that was in what 97 the, <laughs> but classic i the guess the toby mcguire one wasn't it 97 
Now it's like 02. Okay, fine. 03. Five years later. Point, but that makes my I, j- joke even funnier. Yeah. But yes, I do think we're going to see them in, in integrated into the MCU and pro- probably with the same actors because uh, at least my understanding is Alfred Molina, there was a leak about him being on board for the future of the MCU, whether it's in Far From Home or not. So, so that's setting that up. We already yeah. talked about Captain America, the Captain America 4. Am I missing something? You had you had mentioned something ahead of time. Young Avengers? Did you say something about Young, Young Avengers? Young Avengers was one that some that I had seen thrown out there, but again, I don't know much about Young Avengers. Yeah, so I mean basically it's like a teen superhero team and the reason that people are speculating that is that Bradley's grandson Eli is a character from it is a character well eli uh, is is a character from young avengers he eventually i think becomes young captain america okay D- wanda's kids from wandavision yeah. are also historically members of the young avengers so essentially they are starting to bring in some of these characters that eventually show up in young avengers so i think there's some speculation that they are long term going to be setting that up if in fact they do the dark avengers arc and thunderbolt ross is red hulk that almost certainly sets up she hulk which we know is coming and he almost certainly will be in that so there is a tie-in there too there's just so much they can do and i was thinking about this uh this quote that some people are pulling out that says oh is wyatt russell gonna be back but i i mean you're probably right that it's just him saying like oh i don't know but Probably if they offer me a role, I'll take the Marvel money. It's a lot of money. But he said Marvel operates in a really cool way where they don't make decisions before they see what works. I'm not a part of any of this decision making, obviously. And that just yeah, kind of illustrates the point that like these are all possibilities, but it doesn't even mean for sure that they're going to make all of these. It's just so many places they can go, which is the the thing they've you know mastered the most out of all of this is yeah figured it out and you know have ideas they're setting up four things but it doesn't mean that it's yeah it's not this something that's fully written down all the way into 2035 or something right and that's what they you're right they've been really good at figuring out what works and of course they're never going to be able to cover everything that happened in the marvel comics but there's no reason they can't set up the threads that if that they could do some of it right Um, Or if nothing else, like then worst case scenario, it just becomes a nod to the comics that some people get and other people don't think about. They do things in a small enough way that they're not distracting Easter eggs. They're just something for somebody who might know will recognize that. And it's never thought of again for somebody who has no idea what it is. And it doesn't seem like a weird thing that they threw in that like where they really, really focused on in the movie or TV show. The the last thing that I want to say about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I think is you and I illustrated really well at the beginning up until infinity war. And we said this already up until infinity war, we could pretty much put ourselves in the world in which these movies were happening, obviously with a few exceptions, but they were off so far flung and didn't have anything to do with us and our earth and our daily lives that we could just think of them as some fantasy story off somewhere else. Yeah. But now they're in a position where they're dealing with multiverses and outer space and time travel and, but also like post blip reality and the world, uh, you know, the world changing in ways that we could imagine our world changing. Marvel is setting itself up essentially to scratch your itch and mine, which is that some of their movies are going to be super fantastical set in multiverses and out in the universe. And there's going to be a team of superheroes that focus on that stuff. 
And then they're also setting up uh, an MCU that is on Earth and is a little grittier and can deal with real world issues. And that's the universe into which these, you know, more, let's say, down to Earth superheroes, the new, you know, the new Captain America, Bucky Barnes, who is a super soldier. But the X-Men were always one of the sort of grittier social commentary storylines of Marvel. And and this is the perfect scenario for them to pop up in. And so it's I, I Marvel's doing itself a lot of favors by setting up. If you like the fantasy Marvel, go watch these movies. If you like the sort of more grounded Marvel, go watch these movies. And if you like both of it, sure, we'll take your money. And by the way, we also have movies and television shows now with which to do that. I think that's another thing they uh, might be setting up. And, you know, there's going to be links between it all. But I think, yeah, it would be advantageous of them to also create, like, really easy ways to follow just this storyline. And you don't have to see everything now yep because it is a lot of content and at a certain point it's going to be hard to make sure you have fans that see everything but there are going to be fans who just want to go see yeah you're right the fantastical stuff or maybe just see the more grounded stuff well and it also means that when you have the big blockbuster you know big cast movies in the future you can start adding in characters and not overwhelm things right you can have a Earth-centric Marvel movie that has Captain America and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in it, and it's not too crowded. And you can have a multiverse movie that has the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor and Doctor Strange, and and that mm-hmm. will be won't be too crowded either. And then apparently Spider-Man is going to be the thing that that web slings between them because he's going to be doing multiverse stuff, but also Spider-Man's an Earth. He's from Queens, right? Uh, so yeah so he's a he's an earth hero usually i think it's wonderful i think yeah it's very smart because now you can watch full threads of films and not feel like you've missed out on something which i think is the maybe the one complaint people had about the first phases of the marvel cinematic universe is that by the time you got to infinity war you had to watch what 22 movies to catch up now you probably aren't going to miss as much going forward Agreed. Yeah, so there it is. A ton of places that the MCU can go forward from here. I We're just going to keep seeing Disney Plus TV shows and movies coming out in theaters and everything for years to come from Marvel because they keep opening up tons of plot threads. They can go down. Tell us uh, which plot threads are your favorite. You can find us on Twitter. You can tweet at us at NerdAssoc. That's at N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. Or you can email us NerdAssoc at gmail.com. What plot threads are you most interested in the MCU looking into in the future? And what are some predictions of things that, that maybe we didn't cover that you could see happening for the MCU? And there you have it. Until next week, thanks for listening to Nerd Association. Nerd Association.